Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. Indeed, it's another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It's One Man's Opinion. Appreciate you guys downloading, subscribing, commenting, sharing with a friend, or however you've been able to hear this nasally drone of mine. Evidently, I'm very nasally. I had no idea this was a, a, a thing, but the Twitter troll recently told me I'm very nasally. So there you go. That's it's it's keeping me up at night. I'm very worried about it after you know, 15 years of broadcasting. But I am Jeff Mance, by the way. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. Again, it's a little pet project that I've put together that it seems to be pretty popular. You guys are enjoying it. I hope so. Um, Obviously, we've been very fantasy football centric over the last few months. This we're going to keep going though. I mean, into the off season, we will go. We'll talk about uh, a lot, a variety of topics. If you go back and listen to previous episodes, um, you know you, you hear my thoughts on everything from religion to politics to you know, growing up, and you know we'll bring on guests to suit that as well. No guests on today's show. It is just me, your host, Chef Mans. Flying solo on this episode. Uh, we'll go back and uh, bring in some more guests uh, starting next week again. But wanted to get to a variety of topics today. Wanted to just uh, cut loose. It's been a while. This this podcast is as much as a, uh, a project of mine, a passion project that it is. So hopefully for you to listen to. And sometimes I just need to, I just need to get it off my chest. I need to just talk about things and talk through things. So today I want to take on a variety of topics. I posted a note on Twitter at Jeff underscore Mans, M-A-N-S. That's where you go and follow me. You could also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok with the Jeff Mans, all one word, all together. That's uh, where I'm at on those social media platforms also you can find my work at fantasyguru.com elitefantasy.com elitesportsbetting.com as well uh lowered our prices across the board had another couple big dfs wins this past week so we're just blowing it out if you want to join the mafia see what the fuss is all about see how to get on the winning side of the street learn how to play this game better um We've lowered our prices everywhere. I think 10 bucks for Fantasy Guru at this point. So, you know, closing out championships, is it worth 10 bucks to you? It's up to you. Uh, we've got about seven, eight weeks left overall. Actually, nine weeks left. Eight weeks, I'm sorry, of EliteFantasy.com for the football season. Remember, we go all the way through the playoffs, all the way to the Super Bowl, everybody. And then, of course, EliteSportsBetting.com as well. I think it's like 40 bucks for the rest of the year at each of those sites. So come check us out on today's show. I'm going to be answering every single question I possibly can based on my, ask me anything on Twitter again, at Jeff underscore mans. So we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to week 13 in fantasy football, talk about the COVID impacts and issues there as well. Uh, you guys asking questions. There's a ton of questions, whether you want waiver pickups for this week, let's face it. There, there aren't any, <laughs> I'm not saying that to be short-sighted. It all depends on who was dropped in your league. There's no Devontae Booker in case Josh Jacobs doesn't play. I mean, that's that's a commodity you might be interested in. Uh, as far as, like, players we haven't talked about, players we haven't discussed, that's 
that doesn't happen at this point in the season, really, folks. I, I guess you, you could say with the, the news on Will Fuller that uh, the Houston Texans now Kiki Kuti steps up. Remember, they released Kenny Stills. So it's Brandon Cooks is the number one. Kiki Kuti is the secondary wide receiver. And then Isaiah Coulter is another uh, another player that I'm interested in. He prototypes – He listen, nobody has the hands of – DeAndre Hopkins that doesn't happen but he's very similar to DeAndre Hopkins as far as body size shape uh, and footwork and things like that so I'm interested in what the rookie can do out of Rhode Island and um, maybe in deeper leagues worth a flyer to go out there and pick up so that's an instance there Um, not much else really on the waiver wire not to just here's the deal folks as we get into this is closing out championships it's important right this late season hustle that we we talk about uh, at the beginning of this it all starts winning some people think that winning shows up right now like all of a sudden you're just oh okay here i am show me the trophy show me the championship and it's not this work it goes back to till april may june of every single season and what where you invested your time, your resources, what players and teams and situations that you lined up. That's how you close out this championship. It all starts the beginning of the season. So, you know, align yourself properly and you won't be so flummoxed come week 13, 14, 15, and 16 as you go for that, uh, the championship in your fantasy football leagues. Uh, this late season hustle that we talk about, you know, it's as much as not missing out on the obvious as much as it is. Don't overreact. You know, we all fancy ourselves to be managers, coaches, general managers, owners, what have you. But the that's because we confuse activity with accomplishment. Making the most moves is not the path to the championship. Now, sometimes it can be. It's possible that your team was besieged with injuries and COVID and things, and you had to move and shake sometimes, but it's rare. Yeah. And every, every single league, 80 million people playing fantasy football, every single solitary league has somebody one, two, three, four players that just churn their roster. They're constantly chasing what happened last week. They're constantly forgetting about players that they liked two weeks ago or a week ago. And, and grabbing new players and thinking that somewhere along the way they're just gonna the magic fairy dust will bless them with a champ bless them with a championship. It's not gonna happen. So be careful. That's what I, I'm talking about with who do you grab on waivers. Who you grab on waivers is relatively simple. It's the players, the best players that the rest of your league let go. You know, that's what it is. So um in that spirit, I'm going to go through some of these uh, um, Ask Me Anythings for today and uh, just go right into it. Also, uh, on the show as well, I, want, I do want to talk about, hopefully everyone did have the good Thanksgiving. This is the first episode since, since Thanksgiving. Um, I hope everybody had that. Obviously, COVID's running ramshot across the National Football League. I'll give you a couple uh, tips and tricks here before I get into the Ask Me Anything. I, I talked about this on the SiriusXM show that I'm trying to avoid as many Monday night, Tuesday night players as I possibly can. All right. That's not going to be 
I'm not going to be able to do that. The, the Cleveland Browns, my baby Browns, my beautiful babies, they played two weeks uh, on Monday night football and there's nothing I'm going to be able to do most likely because chances are, I don't have a replacement for what Nick Chubb is presenting, but having Nick Chubb back, having Austin Eckler back, it, it all sets up for us. All right. And when I say us, the elite mafia, those who listen to this podcast, the Sirius XM show subs at fantasy guru, elite fantasy, elite sports betting.com. I mean, this is, this is what we want. And this is what's the most, the most important time of the year. It's most important to have the best team. Now it's power. Getting Eckler back last week, getting Chubb back to three weeks ago, two weeks ago, it's the most power you'll have, right? We've made do. We've we've grinded it out. We've did it, all the moves we can to get us in playoff contention. Maybe we clinched a playoff spot. Maybe we're on the cusp. But right now is when we, every single year, when I'm evaluating things and I'm investing in fantasy football, and I'm talking draft preparation. I'm talking rookies and NFL draft and uh coaches uh you know the coaching breakdowns and then the offensive line breakdown with all of this it all is a pyramid to the top that top is right now we want to be the best team in our leagues now fuck week four five six nobody cares it's fine you're good you're bad that's why i tell you don't overreact don't freak out one and four i'm one and three gives a shit what we care about is closing out a championship. And that's where right now we need to be at our best. Our teams need to be the most prepared. We as owners need to be the most prepared right now as well. I have uh, my, my current setup. So I'll, I'll go over what, how my leagues are done. It's one of my ask me anything questions for today. So I'm going to go over that. How are you doing in fantasy this year? Um, I'm going to go over my 10 leagues here. Let's uh, I, I have, a my overall record is 66 and 44 all right 12 games over 500 may not seem very good but it um it feels a lot better than that but that's the the record maybe because i have two terrible fucking teams uh i have a three and nine team worst team in in uh that i have this year three and nine currently it's a dynasty rebuild as we speak actually no that's actually oh that's not even my dynasty team my fucking home league, uh, home league where everybody just pillaged all my, they're all, every single one of them. They're all my buddies. It's Ted, everybody. And they all use fantasyguru.com. And I remember draft day being like, holy shit. You might as well have had JDP Jeff draft position because everyone took and good for that because they killed me in this league. I'm four and eight in my dynasty re- rebuild team. Those two teams suck. Those two teams just fucking out. No chance. Uh, every other team I have, eight teams. I'm six and six, six and six, seven and five, seven and five, eight and four, eight and four, eight and four, and nine and three. Those are my other eight teams. All right. So every single one of those eight teams are in contention for the playoffs. 80%. Now, I'm not going to make it in one of them. The six and six team. Now, I'm not going to make it there. The other six and six team is in the staff league. And I don't think I'm going to make it in this one, uh, our staff league either. Although I have a chance. Um, you know, I, I'm six teams make the playoffs out of 14. 
and I'm currently in seventh play. That's not, that, I actually have a good shot at that one. All right, so I'm I'm in play there. So I would say I have a real realistic look at seventy percent playoffs. Uh, if I get fifty percent of these teams in the playoffs, I'm absolutely ecstatic. So anything over that is pure gravy to me. And my seven and five teams both look to be in good shape. Both currently in the playoffs right now. All the eight and four in my nine and three team. Uh, that team's a fucking banger, by the way. Holy cow! That that's a great team with Medcalf and Ridley and Kyler and Chubb and Eckler and I mean that that's just a, a team for the ages right there. If I don't win that championship, I'm going to be very very pissed off. So that's where I stand. All right, and I don't care whether a team is nine and three or six and six or maybe you're five and seven. Maybe you get in at five and seven. Some leagues lit six of 10 teams in the playoffs. I don't know why it happens, whatever it is. All you need to do is get in. Once we're in our mentality changes. It has to all season long weeks one through 12. I've been very passive with you. It's okay. We'll get through it. Oh, and four. You're okay. Here's the moves. Chill out, relax. Don't sell off this player. Don't cut this guy. Don't cut cam makers. Don't, you know, don't trade away this guy. Don't jettison your handcuffs. You know, all these things I, I preach and teach. Now we're entering week 13. It's completely different. Now it's time to close out. Now you got to be a closer. It's like when it's like this, uh, those of you in your dating life or something, right? You're at the bar. You don't go up there and start throwing moves on the uh, young lady to see you there. You got dazzler, say something nice, be interesting, be passive. Well, it's time to close. Well, then that's something different. Then you put on your suave move. That's when, you know, it goes into, you, you got to be sexy. You got to be, you got to you get something. You got to, um, you know, you got to be able to entice uh, your potential mate in that. And it's the same thing with the championship. Think of the championship as the, the chick at the end of the bar that you want to get the attention. You got to be suave, cool, and collected at first, then eventually going for the move later on, right? Going to, uh, um, for the kiss or whatever you're going to do. It's been a long time since I've dated. Can you tell? Uh, but that's the way it is. That's what the championship is. And if one of my six and six or seven and five teams get in, I'm going to, you know, I think I'm, I'm very well adjusted because I have Nick Chubb in so many leagues because I got Eckler in a bunch of leagues and I've, I've been making do without them that I'm in tremendous position. And I think a lot of us are. And if you notice, Cam Akers, all of a sudden, he's in a pretty damn good spot too. Cam Akers, a guy I've been holding all year, I've been wrong about all year, and people want to, in week six, seven, and eight, this is where my experience helps you. This is what you pay for, or if you're listening to the podcast, you're not paying for it, whatever. Uh, however you listen and, and hear me out, even if you're just a social media follower, um, the final two games, the uh, the Browns have Jets and Giants. So we're in a tremendous position there. Cam Akers, they've got the Jets and the Seahawks, the final two uh, two weeks of the season. So, you know, Akers is starting to evolve, starting to come through for us. And if he hits us, if he has a good game this week, and he's and then you got the Patriots, Jets, and Seahawks to close it out, that's a strong-ass flex. In, in your leagues to help you close out championships. That's why I have this down pat. I know what I'm doing. You guys need to trust more, question less. You question all you want. That's good. But don't pan, panic less is the real um, 
real thing that I want to get across to you because all you need is a ticket to the dance now. And then we close. Then we go into one week survival mode. That's when we'll tell you, all right, sit this guy for that guy. Sit, you know, Russell Wilson or sit DeAndre Hopkins if you have to. I'm not, not sitting him this week, but I'm, I'm just saying we're prepared to do whatever it takes to close out the championship. That's what late season hustle is all about. Um, so you know, stick with me. We're going to get you there. Get in the playoffs. That's most important this week. And uh, I just wanted to really um, you know, uncover that and talk about that a little bit here before we get any further. All right, let's dive into it. Uh, I'm just going to go in order here. Uh, my chances, opinion of uh, Josh Jacobs' chances of playing this week. I think they're pretty good. He, uh, I don't think it's the greatest matchup you know, against the Jets. The Raiders should be throwing the ball. You, you have to throw on the Jets. You don't run against the Jets. Uh, Jacobs, you start him if he's available simply because there aren't that many good running backs. There, no matter what Josh Jacobs has done this year, he's going to be better than 80% of the field any way you, you splice it up. So um, I think he does play, though. And if he plays, you start him. He's right in that. I think I'm 14th this week. And I'm I'm 12th this week. There we go. He's right in there with uh, Carson, DeAndre Swift, Mostert, you know, right right up in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's mispracticed today with an illness as well. But uh, I I think it's pretty good that he plays. Uh, I'd like to know about waiver wire wide receiver targets and who I prefer over the likes of Keelan Cole and Tyler Boyd. Don't like either one of them because their quarterback situation. All right. So when we look at waiver wire, all right, this time of year, what I'm looking for explicitly, the, that what matters to me is what matters to these teams. Don't think that these are not Madden characters. That's why Ted and I had a, a lively discussion. He got into an argument uh, last two, uh, Monday night about uh, math and football and, you know, everybody, not everybody, some people want to make fantasy football and fantasy sports into a math equation. And I, I, I've been, I'm not going to reiterate that here because it's, it's pointless. It's not right. You use math to put yourself in good situations, but the idea that a win percentage comes down to some formula is wrong. You haven't done all the work. And what we want at this time of year is to be invested in the players, the coaches, the teams, the contracts, whatever it is. We want to be invested in those items that have incentive to perform well in the final three, four weeks. Just like us, just like the the guy in your league that didn't set his lineup during the Thanksgiving weekend. He missed the two games on Thanksgiving Day. All right, or maybe you missed the Wednesday night Raven-Steelers game, whatever. The one that's not paying attention. A lot of NFL players that are down and out, and we've already seen coaches get fired. Bill O'Brien earlier. We saw Matt Patricia this past week. These are just dead men walking teams. These are teams that don't really what – are, what's their incentive? Are they playing for their interim coach? Doubtful. Are they playing for themselves? Absolutely. Do they have any incentives in the contract? Do, are they playing for a roster spot? Star players with uh, um, no coaches, 
no incentive. They're not incentivized at all. They don't give a shit. Guaranteed contract, they don't give a fuck. So we don't want to be invested in that. What we want to be invested in, and this is very important for seasonal players, but it's everything for the daily fantasy people. You don't, it's, it's completely out saying, oh, I want to invest the best players. No, you don't. You don't want the best players. You want the most incentivized players this week, right? That's what you want to do. Uh, you want to be in, in incentivized. You want to be aligned with those teams that are playing for positioning in week 13. I've talked about on Sirius already, but Arizona and LA, this is a fucking playoff game. And you think that a bum shoulder for Kyler Murray is going to slow him down. No way. No, it's a game. That's you know, two and a half point spread. Uh, the Cardinals need to win to stay in the race in, in the NFC West. They need to stay. In, these teams are separated by two points. If the Cardinals win by a touchdown or three points, let's say they not they overtake. They're tied with the Rams. They overtake them in one tiebreaker. They're tied with them in another tiebreaker. So all of a sudden, it's right there. They lose. They're way behind. They're in a lot of trouble. So you don't think you're going to get everything out of Arizona? Bullshit. You're going to get everything out of Arizona for sure. Um, and, and that's what we need to be. Your teams that are fighting. Minnesota's shown a lot of fight offensively and defensively. Meanwhile, Jacksonville's falling completely out. Cincinnati's falling completely out. You're not going to get the best of those teams. Right, Detroit completely falling out. You're not getting the best of that team. You'll see the best of the Chicago Bears because they're technically still alive, even though they've been sucking this coming week. See what I'm saying? New England's always going to fight to the death because their coach won't let them, and they'll pull anybody else. So they're going to keep fighting. The Chargers basically dead. NFC East teams, as shitty as they are, every single one of them still alive for that division. And by the way, every NFC East team this week plays against uh, a uh, non-divisional opponent. This is a massive week for that division. I, I believe all four teams are massive underdogs. Dallas against Baltimore, Philly against Green Bay. Um, what is the uh, – oh, Washington plays Pittsburgh, of course. Tremendous uh, underdogs. And the Giants are double-ditch underdogs against Seattle. If one of those teams can get a win in this, in this week, it's a massive – massive upgrade it's a massive boost to their chances of making the playoffs so you're going to get the best out of them even the shittier teams i would rather invest in a shittier player worst player and team that has incentive over one that doesn't because we're going to get the best out of them and that's where that's how you close out championship that's the secret sauce right there everybody they won't tell you that people don't and you know what most fantasy players don't know that i have 31 years playing this game i know it implicitly i know it uh, what else do we got? So what do I think about Colin Johnson? Nothing. I, I love Colin Johnson's overall game. Love him in the long term. I would pick him up in a dynasty, but do I think it's going to be something going forward? No, I really don't. You know, Jacksonville plays Minnesota this week. It's a, it's a good matchup, but DJ Chark's back and Colin Johnson might not play 20% of snaps. So I'm not, he's not a guy I'm closing out with. Not a, on uh at this point in time, can we trust Matt Ryan and Julio for week 13? I don't think Julio's going to play. Can we trust Matt Ryan? No, he looked like such dog shit the last time against new Orleans. I can't do it. Even though they're at home, even though he played moderately better, he still, that defense just completely devastated him. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a rebound game, but this isn't the time and week eight 
if this matchup, this exact situation happened in week eight, I'd tell you, yeah, all right, let's go back to Matt Ryan, right? No, you can't. There's no, we don't have a safety net anymore. And that's why we got to make more aggressive. The aggressive decision-making shouldn't happen in the beginning, middle of the season. The aggressive decisions, the tough, the, the real bold calls, nobody should be making bold calls until the very end of the year when it's time. Everything else, you should align yourself in the best possible situations. Um, let's see, MTV Cribs of Sandro's living room situation. That'd be pretty fucking funny. Uh, wrestling podcast. Oh, it's my dude, Heat Override, one of my favorite dudes at Heat Override. He, uh, my guy, Rob, long time. A fan, he always brings the pain. I uh, love to do an old 80s, 90s wrestling. I was favorite wrestlers uh, back in the day. Obviously, Hulk Hogan. I am a real American. We got Randy Monster Man Savage. Always like them. Um, dude, I, I don't know why. I like the British Bulldogs back in the day. Um, Ultimate Warrior was probably one of my favorites towards the end. I didn't watch wrestling after that. I was like 13, 14. By the time I got out of wrestling. Uh, so can you elaborate on what factors you consider when deciding to switch players in DFS after the early games are done? Oh yeah, I like this one. Um, so what, what do I look for? Uh, I look for, um, I look for what position I'm in. If I, this is a general rule because every week's different. Let's say, after the first set of games, meaning the 1 p.m. Eastern time games, I'm sitting in 20th place or 30th place. Okay, I'm in the money. I'll look at the rest of the, the players that I have, and I'm assuming I have two to three players left. I Are they going to be chalk players? If I'm in that position, I want to be on the chalkiest late afternoon plays. So whoever you think will have the highest we have ownership percentages available all the time over at elitefantasy.com so if let's say you know this week's i'll use this week's games as an example let's say aaron jones will be super chalky which i don't think he will but i'm is it just oh the arizona la games will be super chalky so i want to be aligned with that game last week it would have been the kansas city chiefs mahomes tyreek so on and so forth then you want to be in that. If you're chasing, you're in 60th place. If you're in 60th place and you have chalk, that's the toughest decision what to do. You're out of the money, but the, you still have the chalk, which is probably means it's a pretty goddamn good play, right? In that case, I'm going to ride it out and stick with my guy. Now, if it's a 70, 80% chalk, like an overwhelming chalk, then no, I'm probably not going. I'm probably will make a switch to a different. But if it's 20, 30, 40% chalk, yeah, I'm going to ride it out. And you know, I could overcome 10 opponents, assuming it's a great play. If I'm in 70th, 70th place or less out of 100 players, and I need the top, to get in the top 50% to win, uh, then I want I need to switch out. Even if it's a core four guy, even if it's a great play, and, and I'm on all the chalk, I need to go, I need to have different players, whether it's one, two, or three guys. I need to be on different players in that situation. I need to be on players with 20% or less ownership because I need to rise above the competition in, in that regard. So that's what I'm looking at in there. Sometimes if it's neck and neck and if it's a coin flip, 
And let's say this, uh, in a cash game, that's what you do. And you don't need to go crazy contrarian. You know, I'll use this week's 4 p.m. games. Let's say if you pivoted, you pivot, you want to go and you need to be against the grain, Cam Akers, Ken and Drake, they probably won't be highly owned. Those are good contrarian plays. All right, I'm going to move, you know, lesser guy, hope he goes off kind of thing. Um, It's not a good idea than to go, oh, I'm going to go Malcolm Brown or Troy Main Pope or fucking Boston Scott. That's a bad play. Those are crazy aggressive plays, right? If you're in a GPP and you're trying to close it out, you need to discern. Ted and I were in this exact situation. Ted and I had a six, I had a six figure, $100,000 on the line. First place going into late games with Travis Kelsey. And I thought we were freaking gold. I really thought we were going to close it. I really did. We decided to stick with Kelsey. Turned out to be the right move, but we had a 35% owned Tyree kill have the third most fantasy points in the history of fantasy football. That was not expected. And that blew us out of the water. Ended up minimum cashing as opposed to $100,000. That's the shitty thing about tournaments. But um, let's say you're, you're, let's say you're in a Millie maker. And you're in 500th place, pretty freaking good going into the late games. You do, you need a one, you at that point, you don't get many opportunities like that. You need to go for it. So you need to go for that massive upside, absolute 1% owned player. Now that's not David Moore because that's a shitty play, but maybe it's Josh Reynolds. Maybe it's Andy Isabella. Because if Isabella does something, it's going to be big, right? Maybe it's uh, you know, somebody like that Golden Tate, right? That, those are Greg Ward or somebody that it, those players will all be under 5% owned. And if they do something, Demir Bird, if they do something, it's going to be a big play. It's going to be big points, right? There's no in between. In cash games, you go look for the most solid player. Guy's going to touch the ball, most amount of volume to get you over. And then, then you reference, cross that with ownership. But in a GPP setting, you got to go for the you know, all or nothing boomer bust play and be willing to lose your spot, by the way. If you're cashing $40 and you're 500th place in the Millie Maker and you say, well, 40 bucks is that's 10x investment. Hell yeah, I'm going. Then that's fine. Then stay the course, play the chalkier plays and go about it that way. But if, you're like, fuck it. I get, I don't get this chance for a million dollars very often. And you're, you'll be willing to lose that 40 bucks for a chance to, uh, to close it out. That's when you go Jalen Guyton, Demir bird type of players. All right. So uh, there you go. Um, can we watch it from elite site? That is not right. DFS. He wants to talk about, I just did. Um, what else? Josh Gordon reinstatement. I think if, Josh Gordon takes one target away from DK Metcalf. I think there should be a revolution. I think we should burn everything to the ground. Everything. Every city, every, every, the United States, North America, the whole world should burn to the ground. If one single target goes to Josh Gordon instead of DK Metcalf. Uh, I know it's not just math and you need to to eat things with your own see things with your own eyes says uh broken twitter but i'm trying to read talk more about the simulation you run metrics you put in to find the top plays every week 
What are the most important factors of a good DFS play besides touches and yards average? Uh, great question. Um, mine is always a multifaceted approach. So I have over, honest to God, I don't even know, over 150. I think the number is 173, somewhere in that vicinity of data. Just stats, metrics, everything, everything that I think there is, that I know about, that I think is worthwhile. Everything from yards gained, yards per carry or touch or per attempt or catch to pro football focuses ratings to DVOA on outsiders to, um, you know, separation, next-gen stats, uh, uh, all everything for fantasy points and metrics and previous history. I have everything. So I, I run all of that. And I do that after the stats are finalized the week before. I print everything out because that's what I do. Everything is is brought into a spreadsheet. And then from there, it's filtered. Then I have all the information. That's I consider that all the information. It's like having a whole pizza. It's like ordering, yeah, ordering a pizza. And then, but you, you're, you're a four of your buddies or something. Well, and one of them said, I'm not that hungry. I'll just throw in a few bucks. One guy didn't pay at all. The other guy, you know, gave you, you know, whatever, 10 bucks, whatever. Who gets what percentage of the pizza? You start filtering things out, right? You want to eat the whole goddamn thing yourself, but um, you, you know, you can't do that. You can't have all the plays, can't have all the great plays. So you filter and you filter and you filter and you filter. What means the most? What, what is the most? And that's what I do and everything's filtered out and it gets into an overall grade for the position. And then I, I, everything's separated by position for me. And I, it's different from a quarterbacks, how I evaluate quarterbacks to how I evaluate running backs, receivers, tight ends, defense, and special teams. Everything's just different from there. From that. So I take all of that filter, all the data, you know, 35 times down, just just distill it down, 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 pare it down, 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 cut it down, 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 lose all the fat. And, you know, there's so many good plays. There's so many reasons to play so many. You, I, I say this all the time on Sirius XM. You could just tell me a player. If you just picked out a random player, let, let me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go, where's a good site? I'll go to ESPN. I'm just going to go ESPN NFL. And now I'm closing my eyes. I'm going to click on a team. All right, I just happened to pick uh, L.A. Rams. Now I'm going to click on roster, and I'm going to close my eyes again. I'm going to click down, and I'm going to go down to who is it? All right, the Simba Webster. That's why I just did this exercise. All right, well, uh, you know, University of Eastern Washington kid is uh, yeah, probably not the best uh, best uh, guy to go. Let's go. All right, now I got to open my eyes. I'll go Gerald Everett. How about that? Just random pull. All right, now I, I could make a case. You know, Tyler Higby's banged up. Arizona Cardinals. Buda Baker likes to play at the line of scrimmage. That gives a move tight end like Everett an advantage over the top of uh, of the safety like that. So I could make a case, and I start making a bit of a case for Gerald Everett this week. But that's me trying. I'm grasping at straws. That's what a lot of analysts do. I let it. I let all the numbers. All let's say I use the math in this case. I let the math speak to me first. 
they bring me all the highest grades. And once I get in the highest grades at each position, I go through everything with my highlighter and I use either green or blue, depending on which one isn't out. I go through probably 20 highlighters a year, Uh, probably much a highlighter a week, honestly, one green or blue. The other one's pink or red. I have very few red ones. Um, You have to get those off Amazon. So I get a lot of pink. That is my red. Red is bad. Pink is bad. Blue and green are good. And I go through what, what are the best carve out the best highlight, the best go through it. Then I filter it out. Then I eliminate everything. Once I've gone through with the highlighter, then I put everything back into the metric, back into the system. And I, it's like twice baked potatoes or something, you know, then I go back in and then out of the good plays out of the good, the best, best matchups, best overall grades. Then I start distilling it down again. Then I go through the exercise. That's where at that point, now I dive deep and you, maybe you guys hear me say that a much. I probably don't talk about this enough, but you hear me say, all right, I've gone deep analysis on this player and that player. And I talked about this on serious. You got to go all the way. You don't just go until you hit what you wanted to find. You have to go all the way through it. What for one, who's healthy and not healthy. Not the game analysis really matters. Now, now it's about what's the game flow. And for so many people, they think, oh, well, Las Vegas has a high expected total. I think that flow means it's going to go back and forth and it's going to be high scoring. That doesn't know why I need to know why Vegas feels that way. What is Vegas seeing this week? There's a game. What is it? Cleveland, Tennessee that I just don't see it. I don't see that being high scoring at all. They have the highest over under the whole freaking slate the whole week. And I don't see it at all. It's a sl- two slow teams, two slow teams that like to run the hell out of the football. And I think we'll both have moderate or levels, pretty good levels of success. That doesn't, that's a terrible idea. Meanwhile, the Rams in Arizona are like 48 over under. Nah, that's going to go over. So, you know, I have, I essentially, I create my own lines within that. That helps me with the betting side, helps me with DFS and seasonal rankings and projections, all that stuff. But that's what I do. I dive into the games and the matchups. Then I, then I go further. It's first the games, then it's individual matchups. And what, let's say I'm evaluating a quarterback. Well, for quarterback, I need the offense line, defense line. I need the secondary. I need the safeties. Safety play with quarterbacks, the most underrated thing you'll ever see. Safeties, can, <laughs> the coverages, the tendencies, what safeties do and how they perform are so underrated for how a quarterback will perform. It's unbelievable. Do the safeties play up? Do they tack? Do they bracket? Meaning are they in coverage? Are they good at coverage? Are they rough and tumble? Do they get aggressive with an opposing receiver or tight end? Or are they just speedy and quick and don't offer a lot of separation that, you know, that the nature of that matchup, matters um with quarterbacks you could basically are doing the whole opposing defense on every all three levels line linebackers fronts really front seven and then back uh four five whichever they play so you know and with running backs it's the offensive line versus defense line it's huge it's just massive um that that's what matters you know are is he gonna is the running back gonna have room not have room they're gonna get the second level what's are they going to catch the ball? What's the game flow going to be for him? What's are they on the field, off the field, snap counts, personnel groupings, all that 
you start just whittling it down, whittling it down and getting hammering it, hammering, hammering until you uncover the truth, not the part you want or, or not the part you are looking for to say yes to the play or what you're looking for to say no on the play. You've got to go to the truth and to get the truth of the matchup, you got to go all the way in. And then after I've done that, that's basically where I get to my cash game breakdown. That's essentially the best player. That's the player pool for the cash breakdown when I uncover that. And, you know, for those purposes, some weeks we'll have, I could have 40 players that are cash game eligible in a week. I could also have 18, you know, through every position. That, I mean, it's a wide swing. So I, that's where I have to manually override it and say, all right, we're going to have a player at this level, the best player at this level, the best player at that level, the best. People think that it's just throwing the best plays into a position. Here, I'll, I'll name six running backs and six receivers, seven receivers and four quarterbacks. And people think that that's that. And it's easy to do. No, it's not. Because you got to be able for every, it to be successful, for the subscribers to be successful, for all of us to build quality lineups. You have to offer different options to build on so that everybody's not doing the same thing. Because if everybody did the same thing, it's actually what's happening to us in Superdraft a lot. Superdraft, we have a lot of similar lineups. That's why I, I've had to add the extra plays for Superdraft only. Right, That's why we've had to expand our reach instead of doing – Initially, we were 1.5 and above, 16-point projection, 1.5 multiplier and above. And then we moved it to uh, – you could then we could stack 3.2 and above. And now we have special one-offs for Super Draft only. So that's why we keep expanding it. All right? And so – and then – so once I have my player pool, then for me, I go back and I recheck my work. I've got software that uh, I've used for years and years. I'll buy. It's not, it's pretty archaic by today's standards, full disclosure. Okay. Um, So it's archaic, but it's really useful where I have my own rating system. Like like I do for the wide receiver cornerbacks. I should say I have cornerbacks. I have ratings on individual offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, cornerbacks. Right. I, I don't grade skill position players Uh, for one, quite honestly, I don't have time. And I don't, I think skill position players don't matter as much. Only ones that do are quarterbacks. That's why I do spend a lot of time evaluating quarterbacks, but I give my own rating system to all the players in the trenches and everybody on a defense. And then I go and I plug these ratings in and I simulate a thousand outcomes. And then within those thousand outcomes of every game, these are the most likely scenarios. Th- this is the scenario that happens most often and, and least often. And what, again, what we're looking for are, uh, are outliers that happen most often. I mean, let's say I ran uh, the Giants in Seattle game. And all of a sudden, 74% of the time, the Giants win that game over. I'm like, what? That would be odd. Could double-digit underdogs on the road. Why would that happen? or even 64% of the time. Like, that's unusual. It's a high number for an underdog. Why is that happening? And then I see, oh, man, I have Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton's, you know, I'll average the outcomes of all 1,000 games. You know, we have injuries and everything else factored and and filtered in. And Darius Slayton is about 70% of the time, this guy's catching a touchdown in this game. 
and go all the way through all those matchups. That's what I do. Sat- I spend my entire Saturday afternoon doing that. And then at that point, that's basically double checking and fact checking my work. Did I miss anything? Did the, the simulations add anything? Did they lo- lower us on a player? Did they heighten us on a player? Most of the time, if everything, it's confirming what I've already done. Never perfect, though. Every week, there's some element that I missed out on, and we need to add to the player pool or a player that I say, oh, shit, I was, I'm kind of way higher on him than I should be. Let's lower our expectations. Sometimes we'll remove. And that's why you may see a player off the core four. Or sometimes a player falls off of the core four throne or even the cash game eligibility throne. And then there's sometimes where players rise up to like Derrick Henry last week. That's what, when we correlated no DeForest Buckner, no Danico Autry, Derrick Henry went from outside, just outside cash game eligibility. He was still eligible, but he was behind Nick Chubb. So he wasn't going to be included to then he was included. And then when we got confirmation, he becomes a core play. All right. So uh, there you go. That that's uh, I take it up a lot of time. I'm never going to get to all these questions now. <laughs> but that that's what that's my method. That's what I do. Um, I've been doing well prop on prop bets based on DFS selections such as Tyreek last week, DK. But sometimes stretch out too thin, too many props. That's a it's a big thing in the DFS community. Way too many props. All right, narrow down the best. Yeah, the obvious. Like here's what I want. Um, what you want in the prop bet market is the best thing you can do. Find a player that's going to get a lot more playing time than his current market prop bet would suggest. So, uh, oh, Jarvis Landry was a prop bet I was right on last week on EliteSportsBetting.com. He had a prop bet of three and a half catches. That's fucking stupid. That is a dumb line. It's a line that this is because Vegas does only math and they're really good at it, but they don't look at, they hadn't played in regular in normal weather in a month, not one game since Odell Beckham got hurt. Had they had the Browns played in a decent passing atmosphere. You knew he was going to get double digit targets. Jarvis Landry is no brainer. And all you had to do is catch four of a baseline of 10 targets. It's a no brainer. For a guy with an 80% catch rate. Yes. Yes, you go there. So what you don't want, you don't want to start betting the middle. You don't. So you look for a player that is way above, whose line is so far above that a lot needs to happen for him to get to that level, let alone exceed it. Or somebody who's priced down so far, you know, two catch, one and a half, two and a half receptions, yardage in the 30s or 40s or 20s. That is going to get a lot more run. Those are the ones you don't want to start. If you're betting props of 72 yards, 78 yards, 68 yards, 81 yards. No, you are. That's a, those are bad bets. you got to go to the extremes, go to the highest over under totals. And which ones do you say? No ways are they hitting that number or a lot has to happen from the, that number. So you bet those unders and then go to the other extreme, the very low numbers and say, Oh yeah. Playing time likely targets and touches and snap rate is way over that number. That's where you make your money and just hammer those edges always on the edges. Um, 
Who am I seeing coming on strong playoffs? Uh, Chubb and Eckler. I think those guys, I mean, that's where we want to be um, aligned this uh, playoff run for sure. Most physical pain injury I ever had. Uh, oh, I've had a lot. I've been, um, I've been pistol whipped. I've been, I had a, uh, man, I had my nose broken by a steel toed boot. I had somebody punch me in the back of the head with a lock that split my, the back of my head wide open. I had my appendix burst when I was 19 years old, had to drop out of college. Um, true story, Ted Schuster, myself, we were playing, we used to play basketball late at night behind a DeVry Institute in Chicago. And we'd play all hours of the night from like midnight to 6am or something. And we used to put our car lights all we'd line up our cars and turn on the lights on this court behind a DeVry Institute. And I went and played for like three, four hours. I was sick all day. Didn't feel well all day long. And then suddenly got a burst of energy and played four or five hours of basketball. By the time I drove home and got home, I was as sick as I've ever been. I was, uh, going in and out of consciousness. And I lived with my parents at the time and I had an upstairs room. I sat on the stairs till my parents woke up at like 6 a.m. So like two, three hours. And I was like passing out. I was, my skin was legit green. It turned out my appendix had exploded almost 20 hours, they assumed before that. And as a result, uh, I had to be, we went to a doctor's office and they, you ever been at a doctor's office? They called an ambulance for you. I had to get ambulanced over to um, the hospital where I had emergency surgery. I still got a gash in my, uh, my midsection today, huge ginormous scar of where they had to take uh, a bunch of my colon, lower intestine uh, appendix, a bunch of my insides. I was in the hospital for over a month, six months, roughly six months, really about three, four months of uh, therapy. Uh, They left the wound open. It was so bad and so infected that, the wound had to be left open. So my mother and my girlfriend at the time, who turns out to be my wife, so I made a good choice there, had to literally take the dressing out, stare and, and put, you know, throw that away, put saline solution dipped in rags, put it into my intestine, into my gut every like couple of hours. And then eventually it, it was like, I was bedridden for like three, four months. It took a long time. So that's, that's the worst. I mean, I legit almost died. And, uh, you know, Schuster was uh, there. Ted was, you know, part of that. I think that happened all in like 96, 96, I think. So he could uh, test that story. He didn't see me much at all. Lost my job. Uh, couldn't work. Couldn't go to school. Had to take a medical withdrawal of school. That's why I changed my major from journalism to computer science. So um, there you go. Waiver wire wide receiver targets. Oh, it did that one. Most physical injury. It just did that one. Opinion of Jacobs. Tommy G. I don't have enough time to dive into Tommy G. I hope he's doing well. Um, I, I hope everybody. Uh, I hope everybody recognizes. Like, uh, I I don't want to get political. I'm gonna say one thing that's political. And if you're like, you know, if you're a Trump supporter, or whatever. God bless you. I love you. No problems there comes a point where this shit's over and politics is over. Like it's over for the year, right? It's over. Just it's fucking done. Let's you can be as into politics as anything. It doesn't, it's great. And the thing that I told Tommy when it happened and I tell him those face. So I'm not being mean to him. Cause I love Tommy G I do, but 
you, there comes a time in all of our lives where you have to, you know, you have to do what's best for you guys. You, you know, every single one of you deserves to be happy. You deserve to be successful. You deserve the best in life. Um, politicians aren't ever going to provide that. You have to provide that. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I do. I grew up in Reagan and then Bush and Clinton and Bush and Obama and now Trump and like I somewhere I used to fight politics and argue and I grew up in a democratic state, but in a Republican area. So I, you know, back in the day, super Republican. Then I got in, you know, my early twenties, way Democrat. And then now, and I eventually somewhere along the line, I realized like none of these fuckers care about me. They don't give a shit, not a single shit. And everybody, every single election cycle, this guy's going to ruin the country. This guy's going to save the country. None of them ever ruin it. None of them ever save it. All dog shit. Do the best for you. A president and a congressman isn't the best for you. You're the only one that controls yourself. So spending time and energy on politics, unless that's your field of expertise, unless that's your how you make money or get laid or whatever, anything that benefits you, anything you want it, then great, do it and love you for it. I have mad respect. If you don't, if you're spending time on this shit while, and it comes a, a detriment to your, your, your husband or wife and family and spouse or girlfriend, boyfriend, friends, your job, how you make your living, your health. If that's the case, if you're putting that over that, you're making a mistake. You're making a huge mistake. Don't do it. Tommy had the greatest job in the world here. The greatest job in the world. And wanted to go pursue politics. Hey, you know, if he's happy, I'm happy. Just like all of you. If you're happy, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I like this guy. Don't argue with me. Don't argue. You're not changing my mind. Nothing you can ever say will ever change my mind. I'm strong. I'm strong. Nobody gets inside my mind. I know what the fuck is right for me. My family, myself. You know, people that care about me. That, that's, that's what matters. And if it's one side of the aisle or the other side for you, awesome. I respect the hell out of you. But, um, you know, don't, don't ruin your life thinking that one of these fuckers are going to somehow save you because they're not going to save you. Uh, how to evaluate my team when I fail to make the playoffs? It's a good question. Why don't you got to look at what caused it? Was it everybody had injuries? I don't think injuries are, I think that's a coward's way out this year. I lost, like I said, Chubb, number one owned player, number three owned player for me this year was um, Austin Eckler. So lost, losing them was catastrophic and hurt, but you know, I just told you my teams, I think I'm looking pretty good. So, you know, where did you go wrong? Who did you invest in? Why did you invest in them? Right. You know, why did you choose this player or that player? Go through your draft and go look at who you got, who you drafted and who you should have best case scenario. And also look at the worst case scenario to even it out and then match it up. I went this direction. Why did I do that? Well, at the time I felt this, this, and that, and I didn't think this, this, and that about this player. And then, and then line it up and then realize, oh, and, and if you do that through your drafts and your leagues, you will reveal to yourself, just like how I always let the, num- the numbers tell me what to do and who to choose. That's what you're doing in that scenario. Then they're telling you, oh, I thought that the Eagles were going to be a lot better. 
And by the way, if that's true and you're an Eagles fan, there you go. You're, you're a homer. You've identified it. Now solve the problem. That's how you solve those problems. Um, how to get a start on next year's fantasy football. Well, I think what we just talked about, it's a good question is for this. Um, know, the, know the coaches, know the offenses, know the defenses. Write notes to yourself. Say, don't believe in X. Do believe in Y. I do that every single year. Where you got wrong, for me, um, what are some things that, uh, who did I get? Who was I wrong about this year? Really none. No, I got nothing wrong all year. God, I'm good. Uh, no, the, the Dolphins. You know, I didn't see the Dolphins coming. Didn't see the defense coming. I still, nothing about the offense it interests me. But, um, you know, the defense a lot better. The, the acquisitions of Byron Jones and having Xavier Howard on the opposite side, really good for that defense. Didn't see that one coming at all. Um, what else did I miss? I mean, Herbert and I. Rookie quarterback, I didn't see coming, but thought Tyrod would start a lot longer. Didn't think Herbert would be this good. So, you know, what happened? What, what is, what is he doing? Well, I'll tell you with Herbert is don't, we have to ignore what he did in college In college. He regressed. Remember Justin Herbert was uh, Trevor Lawrence before Trevor Lawrence. And when he went to Oregon, we thought, oh, man, every, nobody could wait. Justin Herbert was on the radar three, four years ago in the NFL. And then he regressed at Oregon. And he, all he did, 33% checkdowns there. And now he's throwing the ball downfield. Like he was in the wrong offense, the wrong setup for him. So those types of things are what you need to, uh, to invest in right there. Good Lord. I have uh, – there's so many. I guess I shouldn't have done an AMA today. But um, let's see what else are, man, I have so many questions. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Core four. I've talked about how I build that. Um, long shots, defenses to gamble on. I mean, I kind of talked about that too. Can we trust Matt Ryan? No, I talked about that. Do, do, do. Yeah, this is not good. Uh, this is probably not the best podcast, huh? Because I'm cycling through all these questions. I love answering your questions, though. It's really that's why. Hopefully, you guys are playing in the Miked Up with Man's contest over there at Super Draft. Now, you know it's a way to get you in on Super Draft, playing there, learning the multiplier format. I think it's just a great place to play DFS nowadays. The more higher percentage of winners than anywhere else. They just they have better payout structures. They don't they have the lowest rake, which means more of the money goes back to all of us players as opposed to DraftKings and FanDuel. So all that is really good. But also I get to talk to you guys, and it's my favorite thing. I I like venting and talking about. But I like I want to be interesting to you guys, and I want you know I get tunnel vision, especially during football season, because I do what I do. Just like I said about the politics, you're not infiltrating my mind with that shit. Nobody's talking. You're never going to talk me into a religion or but no salesmen confirm shit with me. They don't sell me, you know, because I will do my work on it and come up with an ideology for it. But I do love knowing I will answer any question you guys ever have. Nothing's off the table. I don't, nothing's too personal. Uh, I don't care. So, oh, speaking of which, I'm cycling through this latest health issues. Worried about you, man's. Uh, you know, Gary, I appreciate that very much. That's very nice. Um, 
never talk. I was going to wait to the off season to kind of talk about it. I'll talk about it now. Uh, I had a, uh, so a couple years ago, real quick, I had uh, intense intestinal cancer. I got sick on a football Sunday back in 2017, second week of the season. And just like went completely. And I went in and they're like, you know, it was weird because I had like 50 tests and they held me at the hospital overnight and like just weird because I just couldn't get a full breath. I thought oh, I'm having a heart attack, you know, what's going on? And uh, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I had a tumor, intestinal tumor. Um, and they thought, you know, they thought it was bad because of the type of tumor that was showing up on the scans, they thought it was uh, really bad. I had the conversation and oncologist came in and um, me, and my, me and my wife were there. It was, a, it was the Tuesday. I went on a Sunday by Tuesday morning. Oncologist comes in and says, well, you know, we're going to fight this thing. And I'm like, fight what thing? Nobody's telling me anything. And like, oh yeah. We believe you have a very advanced stage of cancer. Um, and we're, they, thought they were going to find it in my colon and in my brain and lungs and um, all that. So it was a situation where we talked, I wasn't going to make it to Christmas. So um, my father had passed away of cancer. So this was like way too real, way too serious for me. And um, you know, that that's what happened. And obviously I'm still here. So long story short, what they thought, turned out to be wrong. I still had to have a lot more tests. Turns out I had this tumor, but it was, uh, it didn't grow anywhere else. It wasn't in my brain. wasn't in my colon. wasn't anywhere else. The, um, I did have pneumonia at the time, which I didn't know. I had a bunch of, uh, you know, a lung infection, really double pneumonia. So it was pneumonia on top of a tumor on top of, and you know after they I went in they took the tumor out they realized that it was uh not as advanced and it wasn't the same um aggressiveness as they had that it looked at and based on my blood count my blood count was like my my body was fighting the pneumonia wasn't fighting the tumor you know so it wasn't uh that that's you know I hate to get into medical shit that I'd I had to go through a round of treatments for it to make sure everything checked out. I was good, but it left me anemic and means I have uh, low red blood cell count and low iron in my blood. And uh, so I've been on medication ever since for that after my treatments and something happened at the beginning of the season where I went into a deep anemia. I actually passed out live on the air on Sirius XM. Uh, there was a show back in August, mid August, um, if you're a regular listener, you heard Ray Flowers jump in all of a sudden. I never left the air. I just started not making sense. I started like almost like I had a stroke. And uh, it was, again, long story short, it was due to my anemia. And um, I'm anemic to this day. I'm on back of medications. Uh, I didn't miss any shows. I, I fought through it. I knew it was an important time and uh, you know, preseason, and that's what I did. But my buddy Ray Flowers jumped in. Phil Backert was there by my side helping me through it. Like I, It was just one of the weird – it was a scary moment for Phil and everybody because nobody knew what was happening. I didn't – I knew I wasn't feeling well, and I just like – like a blackout. Like it just – I was talking but not making sense. Craziest shit you'll ever hear. So I'm good to go. Health is something – you know, I, I try to do what I can. 
But, um, you know, I have this anemia thing that, that uh, you know, it's rather serious. That's why I'm not going to take any days for granted, folks. So there you go. Um, bu- 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 what else do we have here? More about my childhood. Every story I'm here, I'm impressed that you have a life. The fact that you're successful is quite impressive. Appreciate that, Chad. Uh, I'll get into that. I don't have a lot of time here to get into that. But uh, let me just go ahead and favor Chad's thing. So I'll make sure. Uh, I hit that as well. What do you do with teams that don't put in a complete lineup in fantasy? I, I try any league that I'm a commissioner in. I know everybody at least well enough to send them a text or email to say, Hey, what the fuck get going. Um, if you're in a league that doesn't, then you either have to, early on the season, when you see somebody not paying attention, you either have to, as a commissioner, go in and set their lineup, but like have a dummy lineup, take their actives and inactives out, or you just let it play out on the last known. But you have to be consistent. You can't all of a sudden recognize it four weeks later and say, oh, now I'm going to switch this guy's lineup because whoever played him last four weeks, they've had an easy time because they have been starting guys on bye weeks and injuries and shit like that. You've got to be consistent in that. Um, real quick, I'm going to hit some Week 13 stuff here. Kyler Murray, I'm all in on. I uh, love Kyler this week. I like that Rams-Arizona game has a high blow potential. I like Jared Goff on the other side of it. Um, well, other things that I uh, I picked out that, that I kind of like, I really hope G.J. Chark comes back this week because I think that's a tremendous matchup against Minnesota. Another game that will probably produce more fantasy points. I'm nervous about paying up for Dalvin Cook and DFS this week, uh, even though he's less expensive than he was last week. It's still, that injury was pretty bad to be carried off the field. It's a tremendous matchup, but he they made comments during the week how beat up he is, and I don't know if I want to pay that kind of price. I think there's some other spots to go uh, at the running back position. I like Miles Sanders a great deal. I know he did dog shit this past week, but against Green Bay, that's a tremendous matchup, and Philly has to win. And if all the NFC East teams, they have the best chance at an upset against Green Bay. So uh, I like all those. My survivor team of the week, pushing it through, everybody. Uh, All uh, The number one team I think that will win without any kind of question about it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's number one. Likely you've already used Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm sorry, Kansas City's first, Pittsburgh second. Likely you've used both of those. So if we go a little bit further, and if you're trying for a, a closeout, I don't like the Raiders. I think the Raiders are a bit of a trap. The Jets may go undefeated or winless, but they also might jump up and bite somebody. And if they do at home against the Raiders would be a good spot. So I'm fading that one, hoping that my opponents dive into it. Um, I also am a little bit nervous about Seattle at the Giants. Seattle would be my third team here, but that one does make me quasi nervous a little bit. But um, Miami Dolphins against Cincinnati would be my choice to close it out. Uh, Vegas is moving up this total every single minute. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick starts this game. Cincinnati's one of those teams. Miami's still going for it. I talked about it earlier. Teams that are incentivized to win versus teams that are already looking ahead to 2021. And this is a perfect 
matchup of those two ideologies in Miami going for it in 2020 Cincinnati looking at 2021. So they would be my next team. Best bet of the week. Give me the Rams, Arizona over 48. As we sit right here, they're going to over that total for sure. And my upset of the week, Hmm. I had a lot of decisions here. Um, You know what I'm going to do? I think that I'm going to go with the, uh, I'm going to go, if I had to pick an upset, remember, I just shit on them for DFS, but I'll say Atlanta beats New Orleans. Atlanta's actually played pretty good every week except against New Orleans. Matt Ryan, if Matt Ryan could get rid of the football, I just don't think, if they can score, I don't think the Saints offense can score with Atlanta at this point. So that's a pretty good upset for the week, Atlanta Falcons. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, guys. Thank every single one of you for listening and downloading. If you could tell a friend and tell people, if you you turn them on to the podcast, the more listeners we can get, the more episodes I can crank out, not just during the football season, but all year long. I love doing it. Love talking about the things you guys want to hear about uh, for sure. And sorry I didn't get to every single one of you ask me anything. I tried my damnedest. I know I rambled on about some of the things. Hopefully we all learned something though uh, this week. And uh, go get them. We'll be back next week. Listen to me at 4 p.m. Eastern every weekday. Sirius 210 XM 87 on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Follow me at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Until next time, everybody, remember, we may disagree. You may disagree with something I said today, and that's perfectly all right. Why? Because it's one man's opinion. We'll see you next time. Deuces!